Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Ridiculous Ashes podcast. I'm Dan Lipke. With me is Alex Burden. Hello. Uh, we're covering historical Ashes series to find out which nation is the more ridiculous at cricket, whether it's England or Australia. And the series we're covering this time around is the 2013-14 Ashes. Okay. Uh, the way it works is I nominate England's most ridiculous moments from each test and Dan nominates Australia's. And then out of those, we pick a top three and we give them three, two, one points. Uh, tot it all up and see who won the test match or who won the ridiculous test match. Uh, it's currently 1-1 in the Ridiculous Ashes series. Uh, England hit back in the second test, thanks largely to Stuart Broad spending about six years adjusting the sight screen <laughs> before being bold first ball. Um, and that was the climax of a crazy over for Mitchell Johnson, earned him two points in its own right, uh, with Ben Stokes' first test wicket being negated by a no ball, rounding out our top three. Uh, now on to the, the third test at Perth. Uh, Dan, if you could give us a summary of how the actual cricket panned out, please. Yeah, so in, in actual cricket terms, Australia were 2-0 up in the, in the regular old uh, Ashes. Uh, they'd won, as you mentioned, comfortably in both Brisbane and Adelaide. So in the third test at Perth, they batted first and, and they stumbled a little bit to 5 for 143, but they recovered to 385, thanks uh, mostly to a century partnership between uh, Brad Haddon and, and a young Steve Smith who made 111. Uh, in reply, England made 251. That's uh, Alastair Cook, Captain Alastair Cook. Uh, he top scored with 72. Australia then took the first innings lead and accelerated away with both David Warner and Shane Watson making centuries at pretty close to a runner ball. Uh, they managed to reach six for 369. And that's when uh, Michael Clarke declared, setting England 504 runs to win. And despite a century from uh, baby Ben Stokes, England could not survive for the draw, nor could they reach the target for the win, which meant they eventually lost by 150 runs. And that returned the Ashes to Australia. Okay. Uh, can I make the first nomination then? Go right ahead. Right. My first nomination is actually quite late in the match. Yes. Uh, I think we're quite back, quite backloaded with my nominations. But it's uh, it's Tim Bresden's run out of Shane Watson in the second innings, which was basically during Australia's declaration batting. Yep. So with uh, four second innings wickets down, uh, England was well, four Australia second innings wickets down. Austra- uh, England were chasing well over 400 already. Uh, and Shane Watson in particular was having a fine old time. Um, you mentioned that he scored 100 at close to a runner ball, but in the, uh, on the fourth morning, he made 74 runs from 42 balls. Um, this included a moment when he was in the 90s when uh, Tim Bresnan caught him for six, leaping like a crested salmon uh, and taking the ball, but, uh, but landing over the rope. Uh, and it was just one of those moments, one of those sort of periods of play where England had just completely lost control. We know them well as England yes. fans watching uh, series down on day. There's always just a, a long, painful session where anything that can go wrong does go wrong. Uh, I mean, of course, that's that, that's wrong from a certain point of view. Um, from from, yes. from other points of view, that things are going very amusingly right. In ridiculous terms, it was a rich period. 
period with a hit in peak form, really. Um, at this point, uh, Shane Watson top edged an absolute steepler off Tim Tim Bresnan. Um, it was the second time he'd done this in the series, hit a, 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 like a, a vertical skyer. Uh, not just, you know, a, a high catch, but one that went pretty much exactly straight up. Yeah. Uh, one hand off the bat. Uh, Ian Bell came in, got to it easily, dropped it, and then <laughs> instantly turned his back on it. He just he just left the ball and walked away like this, this proper strop. At this point, <laughs> Bresner, who was utterly furious about the drop catch, picked up the ball and threw down the stumps. Uh, and this happens in the background from the TV coverage. It's sort of focused on Ian Bell, like just sort of holding his cap, trying to hide his face, just sort of striding away in this fit of temper. And in the background, uh, Tim Bresnan's taking a wicket. Uh, Bell didn't even realise what had happened. But what's, what I think is so great about this moment is that Bresnan was just so incredibly visibly disappointed at taking a wicket, just enraged, even while he was taking the wicket, yeah. which is just such an incredibly backwards cricket thing. I think basically things were just so bad for England that the taking of the wicket didn't negate the disappointment of failing <laughs> to take wicket, even though no runs had ensued in the meantime. It, it, it's, a, it's a magnificent moment. I mean, uh, there's an argument that it's a bowling figures thing for Bresnan, because obviously yes. the run out doesn't go for but I don't think it is. I think it's just a lesson in, in how illogical you are when you're miserable. He, he took a wicket, but all he could think about, all he could focus on was how he'd not taken that wicket. <laughs> <laughs> you can see at the end, the very sort of, just as, as the wicket's taken, the camera pans back and you've got uh, Shane Watson running off in one direction to the pavilion having been dismissed. Ian Bell, exact opposite end of the frame, just like 100 yards away from him, striding away, completely unaware <laughs> that, that anybody's out. And then Bresnan standing in the middle, the man who's taken the wicket, furious. Just this look on his face. It's amazing. It's a wonderful moment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a wonderful moment that it was actually going to be my first nomination as well. So. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, uh, because I mean, it's all, it's all well and good to for you to be trying to claim this moment for England, but I I, I put forth the notion that this would you know just be you know a, a random dropped catch if if it wasn't for uh, our our great friend uh, Shane Watson's sublime input. Because as you mentioned, after he skied the ball, he basically just dropped his head and half-heartedly trotted down the pitch. Uh, presumably just trying to cross so that uh, I think it was George Bailey would be, be then on strike. And, and and to be fair, he succeeded in that. But uh, he was only about halfway down the pitch when, when the ball was dropped, as you mentioned. And it was pretty much only after Bell spilt the chance that he realised, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I'm well and truly out of my ground here. I could be run out. And he was miles out of his ground when uh, Bresnan threw down the stump. So it's just uh, a pure moment of, uh, of any Australian in that, in that side. I think it could probably only have happened to Watto. Uh, so it's just pure, pure <laughs> Watson magic. Uh, we, we, we've mentioned before that, you know, he's... Uh he, he's got this reaction when he edged to slip. I think it was in the first test. There was this audible, oh no, uh, b- between edging and it being caught. And he actually managed to do an oh no again in the first innings here when he <laughs> when he edged to slip. Uh, but so- somehow this uh, the disappointment uh, at this drop and then the run out seemed, seemed even more uh, more profound. Um, so... Yeah, I, I'm not not quite sure what we're going to do to this when we get to the end, but it sounds like uh, if it's in both our lists, it's going to be a definite uh, point-scoring moment. We just have to work out who it, who it actually belongs to. Yeah, well, we're agreed that it's getting in somewhere <laughs> along the way. Yeah, I think as well that the sort of the climax of Winter uh, Watson, he was sort of sprinting off the pitch as he was out <laughs> as well, which I think was just to try and get away from his own emotions. Yeah, <laughs> we've spoken about this a couple of times before. I think I was always conditioned to see Watson as just another Australian cricketer like you know because he's this sort of big burly uh 
hitter and yeah. uh, bowler as well. And, uh, you know, from a sort of long line of Australian cricketers who've been very, very sort of machine-like and uh, destroyed England, it took me quite a long time to see he was a different sort of creature. They had this sort of cartoonish, like these cartoonish emotional extremes to him, I suppose. That, yeah. Uh, I think even at the time, I hadn't really sort of come to terms with Watson <laughs> being like, there's a sort of haplessness to him, an undercurrent of haplessness, which is quite endearing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, and I think it took a, a lot of Australians, many, many of whom still haven't come to that point. A, lo- a lot of Australians were just endlessly frustrated with him. And I think, I think probably around this point, maybe a little earlier, was when I was just first beginning to come around and going, now this, this guy, this guy's brilliant. I, I love him. I, I love everything about him he's a big goofball <laughs> it's why it's good to go back and look at these things because once you've sort of got a feel for somebody you see their earlier exploits in a different light yes don't you? i mean Stuart broad was the same for me for a long time i just I, I oh yeah barely remembered Stuart broad and then after a while i realized this guy's a comic genius he's working on a whole other level <laughs> What have I missed? What, uh, what broad <laughs> moments have I missed in the past? Okay, um, well, my next nomination, well, it's another one which is a, uh, probably maybe a little bit of a tussle between us as to who's responsible. It's James Anderson conceding 28 runs in an over. <laughs> this is this is part of the same, well, this is shortly afterwards. This is all part of the same absolute annihilation of, I don't know what period this took. It was, it was all in the space of a morning, I think. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty much the fourth morning, I think. So Australia at this point are 475 ahead. Uh, and Judge Bailey just started lining up the boundary every single shot one way or another. Um, this is actually the most expensive over in test history. <laughs> Equal most expensive uh, with Robin Peterson to Brian Lara, which kind of you know makes some sort of sense. That mm. kind of matched up in the parlance of our times. And Joe Root to Keshav Maharaj, which makes less sense. <laughs> I, I, I think the Maharaj one at least had four buys in there. So it wasn't, wasn't quite yeah. all off the bat. But yeah, it was still, still an expensive over. No, you can tack there was a little bit of sort of... Um, bit of chaos going yes. in there but uh yeah the bailey one he uh there were some fine shots in there there were uh, particularly the sort of straight drives down the ground i mean anderson was just putting it up there and he was throwing the bat <laughs> yeah um uh, anderson i mean but the, my point i suppose is that you know bailey played a huge part in this but i put it to you that it's only ridiculous because it happened to james anderson england's top wicket taker yes that's what yep. ele- I and mean, i know that's a, there's an element of hindsight in hindsight, that God. but i mean even at the time he was a heavy wicket taker uh, and he ended up conceding 105 of 19 overs in that innings uh, and by the end of it there was i mean during this over i've watched it a few times because you kind of imagine the fury of james anderson even just like the most minor fielding laps or anything like that but there's there's no real reaction i think he was just so bad tempered by this point that he just he was numb he was just there was nothing there yeah yeah, I, I I think I agree with you that, uh, you know, despite the fact you could credit Bailey with some of the ridiculousness of this, Bailey was pretty much an ODI specialist. This series were, were the only tests he played. And uh, th- this was pretty much the equivalent of, you know, the last over of a, a 50 over match. So him teeing off wasn't really that ridiculous an approach from him. Yeah. And if it had happened to say Mike, like Mike Carberry or someone had been bowling, <laughs> it wouldn't have been as remarkable. This would have been just you know yeah. declaration batting but yep. uh, yeah anderson's role i think is what elevates this i i also like the kind of uh, the ridiculousness of it uh the the way that it's almost a sequel to the broken fucking arm moment from the first test because that <laughs> that began with bailey uh sledging anderson before michael clark got involved which kind of brings me to my next nomination after bailey uh makes jamie and 
Anderson less less than happy, less happier than he might otherwise be. Uh, Michael Clark does uh, step in again, and uh, he steps in with one of his uh, funky declarations. So uh, he, he decides <laughs> to declare after um, that twenty-eight run over, and he, he sets for the third test in a row. He sets uh, a target of more than five hundred runs in the fourth <laughs> innings to win. Three on the bounce. Oh, yeah, what a series. Yeah, and ba- basically, I mean. F- to, to be fair, in, I mean, in none of those tests did he need to declare any earlier. Basically, he had almost two days in each time to bowl England out. So, you know, why not send them more than 500? But it was kind of, it was kind of at odds with this uh, kind of burgeoning reputation as, as, a, as a funky captain. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the kind of captain willing to you know, employ all kinds of tactical lateral thinking and, uh, you know, these sneaky, sneaky tricks. Um, but I, I'm thinking, you know, maybe being deliberately unfunky in this fat in this fashion when everybody expects funkiness is is kind of a level, <laughs> level of meta funk. Could be. I mean, this is the thing I could never really sort of like square Michael Clark. Generally, I, I never really knew what he was thinking or what he was doing. He's he's a hard character to read. He is. Um, to come to terms with so yeah i don't know maybe maybe it was operating on another level uh i i think part of part of the problem was that you know the reputation for this funky captaincy came from shane warne who in typical shane warne fashion banged on and on about it to such an extent that everybody just instantly rebelled against it just like i don't don't like this i don't want this to happen i don't want you to talk (laughs) about funky captaincy anymore he can't possibly be one yeah i I mean looking back he seemed like someone there were definitely moments well I, mean, I suppose there were just moments that people talked about a lot where he seemed almost attention-seekingly innovative. Yes. Um, but you can't blame him for setting the opposition over 500 to win when there's plenty of, plenty of time. I don't blame him, but I do think no. it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. I, I think the other kind of my, – my one of my favourite stats about Michael Clark because I did I, – I wrote about him last year in my in my book, The 50 Greatest Australian Cricketers of the Last 50 Years. Available in all good bookshops now. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and and but in, the, in the book, I basically just had to concede that he was just a mass of contradictions. He's, he's a man who contains multitudes. But but I, but I think my, my favourite uh, – kind of aspect my favorite stat associated with him was uh his his record in the ashes because his ashes series career as a player slash captain was this kind of neatly palindromic loss win loss 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 win loss so that's five five series losses and only two wins and yet despite this he finished with a 15 13 win loss record at the individual test level (laughs) so i I I think that's just a magnificently strange stat a little bit of hindsight corner in that list but yeah fantastic Shall I make my next nomination? Well, I think before you do, uh, just uh, for I, I, I might actually just jump in here because we've got this very neat chronology of the test for a second. We've had uh, the the uh, James Anderson twenty out of one over. We've got Michael Clark declaring, and the we're covering about twenty minutes of this test match yes. so far. <laughs> and the very next thing that happens is the the first ball of uh, the England innings, and that that's that's the ball that I want to nominate. This is uh, Ryan Harris's delivery. Uh, so I think I might just push in here just to maintain the chronology of that, if, if that's all right. Feel free. Go ahead. Okay. So at, at this stage, England needed to bat for two days to keep the Ashes alive or, you know, alternatively score 504 to win. So Alistair Cook <laughs> at the crease. Sorry, he was inadvertent laugh there. Even, <laughs> I mean, we know they didn't make it, but just the, the, I'm just putting myself back in that position of England needing to make 504 to win. Yeah. Alistair Cook's at the crease and he's willing and ready to, you know, lead from the front in, in his 100th test um faces up to the very first ball and ryan harris just comes in and bowls a ball that uh 
in hindsight corner, but it was eventually decreed uh, the ball of the century so far. Uh, The Cricket Monthly in 2020 (laughs) did a countdown of the balls of the century so far. I think they did 20 of them, which seems to kind of undermine the whole ball of the century thing. But nevertheless, (laughs) this this one was was the one. This has been the best ball of of the 2000s so far, according to that esteemed publication. It was. It was an absolute peach. So, so basically, you know, Harris' right arm over the wicket, he swung it in the air and it kind of came in towards Alastair Cook and it pitched perilously close to, you know, one of those classic uh, whacker cracks. But it didn't quite hit the crack, which would, you know, perhaps uh, explain what happened next because it then seems away from Cook's very sensible back foot defence. <laughs> and then, as well as seeming away, it starts to swing away in addition to the movement of, off the seam and it does just enough to clip the top of off stump. It's just like one of the best deliveries you, you ever want to see. It's, it's not a ridiculously funny moment. It's just a ridiculously good one. Yeah. I mean, we obviously have to deduct points for the commentary because that's just James Brayshaw em- emitting this kind of guttural roar, um, which was just a, a horrific thing to have indelibly stamped upon such a great delivery. You don't need that. <laughs> it's ridiculous that it should be soundtracked so inappropriately. So, yes. Yeah, you read that both ways. Uh, Ryan Harris was very pleased with the delivery. He basically celebrated by running around, you know, swerving and changing direction as he went. And I, I kind of have this theory that perhaps he was uh, perhaps uh, attempting to reenact the trajectory of the ball he, he was changing direction so often <laughs> so yeah i mean that, that, that that's that's my third and final nomination that's uh that, that celebration seems a bit bit risky from harris given his knees yes. i feel like it must, must have cost him at least a couple of test matches the shot changes of direction if nothing else I, I i think regarding his knees i mean i think all of australia was just amazed that he was still playing at this stage we were so used to harris just one test on and then you lose him for at least three or four and then uh but no he's played multiple tests in a row at this stage the moment itself like for me from my perspective it felt like an england moment because it (laughs) it felt like everything had been going so badly that morning you know with the 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 catch for six the drop catch even the run out felt like a failure well it was a failure it was preceded by immediately by a failure 28 run over and then you kind of think, well, you know, the, the, the test match is gone. The series is gone. We know this now. Okay, first ball, let's at least hope <laughs> we can get a bit of pride out of this or something, you know, some cause for optimism for the next test match. Maybe Alistair Cook will find some form. And then he stumps her all over the place. Yeah. Um, it just seems to cap it all off. But I think I agree. It, it's such a ridiculously great delivery. And to do that at that time was just so brutally cruel, I think. Credit has to go to Harris. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was really, really good. Um, right, my next nomination. My next nomination is kind of cut from similar cloth in a way, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I kind of almost need to repeat myself. It's it's Ben Stokes' 100 amid all the shitness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ben Stokes came out after all these shit things that we've just discussed. Um, the series backdrop was that England had been bowled out for under 200 in three of their five innings. Uh, and they'd lost two matches and were about to lose the third and the series. Uh, the the innings backdrop was that it was 121 for four, and we were just it's kind of just the last rights, really. Uh, and in this situation, Ben Stokes hit his first Test 100, <laughs> yep. which was also England's first 100 of the entire tour. I think given the circumstances and just the absolute state of England by this point, this was an incredibly ridiculous moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's certainly not the last time Ben Stokes would do something ridiculous with the bat in a seemingly doomed uh, Ashes <laughs> contest. Bit, bit of hindsight corner again. Hindsight corner. 
he was just warming up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a quality of the of the guy. It seems. Yep, yep. Right, right from the very start, he's he's right in there doing ridiculous things and and ridiculously good things. Okay, so before we we get to voting, uh, have you got any unnominated moments that you want to add? Uh, I'll continue on with Brad Haddon watch, uh, just because uh, Brad Haddon will. <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll jump in as an official nomination in the fifth, but it's kind of a slow build. So Brad Haddon in this particular match came in at five for one hundred and forty. Where, which you know is, is a is a perilous-ish kind of position, uh, and that's where he and Smith put on the century partnership. It was Haddon's fourth fifty in a row, and uh, it helped Australia finish with three hundred eighty-five, as I mentioned. And uh, also, as I mentioned, this was uh, Steve Smith's first century in Australia. So uh, Mark Nicholas on commentary said maybe the innings that sets him up as an Australian Test cricketer. Good insight there from Mark. <laughs> they were quite a weird sort of cobbled together Australia side of this period, wasn't it? Because yeah, yeah I mean Brad Haddon was getting on a bit by this point and uh but he was absolutely doing a job and at the same time steve smith at this point is not really uh, got any great reputation as no. a batsman he, he's still there's still an element of well you know he can bowl a bit of leg spin as well i think <laughs> yeah. in his selection um yeah they were there were all sorts of odds and ends but it seemed to work for him yes uh, I've, I've also got uh, in the second innings uh, when uh, Carberry was dismissed, it was Shane, Shane Watson who dismissed him. And basically, Watto, uh, just another little moment of Watto, he, he appealed for LBW and then uh, changed his mind and appealed for court behind when he realised <laughs> that first slip had taken it. So that, that, that was nice. Very, very versatile right. cricketer is Shane Watson. I've actually got a Mike Carberry dismissal to nominate as well, yep. <laughs> which is, is one in the first innings where he, he basically left Ryan Harris into his own stumps. Uh, Harris bowled another Ryan, Ryan Harris delivery, uh, and I reckon he would have middled it, uh, yep. except that he decided he was going to leave it and tried to sort of um, cartwheel his bat out of the way, and in so doing, inside edged it into into his stumps. Uh, what, what, what a series from Mike Carberry. I, I, I think he's a, an underrated ridiculous cricketer. Uh, I, yeah, I'd have liked to have seen a lot more of him. I'm pretty sure we've got another moment of him coming up without, <laughs> without too many spoilers. I, I have vague <laughs> recollections of, of more ridiculous things happening to him. I also would like to put forward, well, not put forward, but uh, men- make mention to a delivery of Nathan Lyons, which I spotted on the highlights, uh, <laughs> where he was bowling round the wicket. Uh, and he turned one from outside the right-handers off stump to leg slip. <laughs> was quite, I mean, I'm presuming that's a famed whacker crack, but it was still quite the thing to see. Yeah, you, you don't you don't think it's Nathan Lyon just putting putting a lot of a uh, lot of turn a on the ball? A few extra revs on it, a <laughs> no. few extra thousand revs on it. No, I think yeah, right. I, I've got I've got one final <laughs> moment, which is kind of a, a more personal moment. Um, th- this one uh, kind of kind of dates back again to the 2013 Ashes, which was a, a neat little prequel to this series. And and <laughs> at, at the end. Of of the 2013 Ashes, there, there were a lot of Australian fans who, in then their kind of blinkered one-eyedness, were claiming that despite the fact that England won 3-0 that series, it was actually much closer than that. Uh, all, all that was needed was a couple of things to go the other way, you know, broad to walk and, you know, not, 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 not be a dreadful, horrid cheat. And, you know, a couple of other things, if they'd just gone Australia's way, it could have been a drawn series or maybe even Australian win. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's what a lot of uh, Australian fans were it, saying at the time. It sounds ridiculous like in a sort of reason 
reasoned way, yes. it doesn't sound ridiculous that this was happening. Yes, that's we know true. That this is the kind of thing that happened. Yes, but anyway, regardless, it still annoyed me sufficiently. This this is when I bought the domain whohasthashes.com and, and I kind of <laughs> made it say big bold letters England and that was kind of my definitive statement on the issue. To be clear, that's that's basically the whole website, isn't it? Yes, yeah. That, that, well, not quite the whole website as I'll reveal the back half of this story, but it's 90% of the website, just one word, England at this stage. And that was basically my definitive statement on the issue. It was just like, if someone started talking this kind of nonsense, I would just reply with whohastheashes.com as, as the final <laughs> statement. And that kind of meant that after this test, the third test where Australia had officially uh, regained the ashes, I had to you know log in, do, do a bit, bit of a website <laughs> update of one word a being changed. intensive website. This, yes. isn't it? <laughs> uh, so I changed it to say Australia in equally big letters and uh, you know, posted the link to my twi- my Twitter account. And uh, it, it was quite a popular tweet, that one. It, uh, it, it went sufficiently viral that because the, the one other thing that I did have on this website was a tiny little Google ad at the bottom. And I, I made $165 <laughs> in one day from Google ads that day. And, that, and that's more money than I've made from every other website I've owned in total over the many decades that I've owned them. So it was, uh, it was kind of my favorite website for, for a long time. It still is, perhaps. <laughs> and certainly on that day. Yes. Yeah, it's a really fine website. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to get under the votes here. Yeah, this seems a bit more tricksy than usual. It does. Uh, it does. Pick I, these I, apart. There, a lot of joint efforts, really. It is. I, I think. I think it's you know it's it's kind of kind of touching in a way. I, I think the the fact that you know there's so many moments of ridiculous teamwork. They've just put the put the uh, petty rivalry aside and they've just put on a show of, show of nonsense, working together as much as they possibly could. It, it doesn't feel like a good natured collaboration, <laughs> no. though, does it? <laughs> no, no. Lots, lots of anger and uh, annoyance in there. I I think. Th- I think the the what I run out, regardless of who we go go, uh, go with, pretty much has to be in there, given that we both nominated, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I feel like I think the Bresnan part, particular. I think the Bresnan Bell reaction to it is is my favourite element of it. But I think the Bresnan bit, particularly, <laughs> the sheer nonsense of being disappointed at not taking the wicket that you are taking at that exact second is yeah. is an exceptional thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's it's. It's a, the whole thing is very wonderful. I, I think ultimately, I, I probably have to concede, but based on uh, sheer numerics, if nothing else, I mean, there's two England <laughs> players being very ridiculous, and just just the one in uh, in Shane Watson. So I, I think if if any nation gets to claim this one, it's probably England. Sadly, just despite Watto's magnificent contribution. Yeah, I don't want to diminish Bell's contribution yes. to either. Just walking away and not knowing that a wicket was <laughs> taking place, just being being sad about not taking the wicket that yeah. has just been taken it's uh oh it's it's so good <laughs> yes yeah so i i think uh i think i think that's probably going to be the three-pointer given that we both nominated it so i, I think that's probably going to be three to england yeah for that one which is a it's, shame it's certainly my favorite moment if you're happy with that i I'm, i i think it's the best moment <laughs> i'm, I'm not ecstatic about it but i can kind of see <laughs> see the argument that uh it's, it's def- definitely uh i mean it, it deserves to be the number one moment it's definitely the the peak ridiculous moment of the test and uh, you know it is, it is hard to argue that uh uh, Bell and Bresnan don't deserve to be rewarded for their efforts. Well, what's your uh, your favourite of your nominations then? I mean, is, is would you want to like shoehorn Shane Watson in there in second place for the, for his part in the same 
in the same moment or something <laughs> I, else. I think the problem with that is uh, that I, I think there's two other standout moments, and and I. I as much as I love the Watson run out as a moment, I, I, I don't think it can claim two spots and, and knock out either of, because I think both the, the Harris delivery, which is just so ridiculously good, it needs to be acknowledged, and the 28 of one over, I think both of them have to get points. So sadly, I think poor old, uh, poor old Watto, Watto's contribution will have to go re- recognised only in our hearts rather than on the scoreboard. <laughs> the Anderson one is a funny one in that it doesn't, when you say 28 runs in and over in the modern era, yep. it doesn't feel that much. I know it's, you know, it's not really far off as well as you can do without no balls or, or yep. whatever, but it is the most expensive over in test history. And it yeah. did happen to James Anderson. I mean, yep. that's the long and short of it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 th- I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's been two bowlers have been taken by one batter for 28 runs off the bat. And the other, the other one, there was a buy involved, which means in nearly 150 years of tests that like that's happened twice. So this is, this is quite literally a once in a lifetime over from James Anderson. So <laughs> just from that kind of statistical perspective, it's very hard to deny how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Where, in contrast, Pop's funky declarations are coming every single test match. <laughs> that is true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure he could he could get two in if he uh, really put his mind to it, the, the way England are <laughs> yeah, going. Uh, so, yes, I, I think... Uh, and, and you know, as we've seen, uh, yeah, Ben, ben Stokes' century in a doomed effort is certainly not a, a once in a lifetime event. It's it's multiple times in a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I th- and the Ryan Harris, uh, we we do have tentative claims to it being a ball of the century, but I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure we can take that overly seriously. So I th- I think probably we can wait Anderson... another eighty years yes. before we like have a have a say on that. Yeah. So I think uh, I think Anderson's probably got the two points, and and uh, Ryan Harris getting the one point. I think. Is, yeah, is I'm, I'm, I'm happy with Harris edging out Stokes because, as you say, it, it, I mean, so, certainly for a pure visceral single moment, it's yes. just in an instant, like the, the sense of deflation. I mean, <laughs> deflation from a point of not being particularly inflated anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can only maybe, imagine that. Like, just just thinking. All right. We may, maybe maybe we can uh, hold out here. And like that, the first ball to get such a nonsensically good delivery. I must have just been. Oh well. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. That was that well summed up. Yeah. It doesn't particularly matter which order we put those in in terms of the outcome of the Test match. It's uh, it's an England win. Uh, but uh, I think we're we're agreeing. Probably Anderson's over ahead of Harris on the basis of. Uh, how frequently we're likely to see such a thing. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, the Anderson over is funnier, I think, ultimately. Uh, just just, just the sheer you know, ludicrousness of it. I think it's slightly more ludicrous, uh, more ridiculous, marginally. So three points for, for, for Bresnan and Bell, uh, two points for James Anderson's role in the mega over, and a point for Ryan Harris for really sticking the boot in there. <laughs> Uh, which which means that it's uh, for all that misery, it's England's Test match. It is England take a two one lead in this in the ridiculous Ashes. I, I think the most impressive thing about this is they they lost their ridiculous champion Stuart Broad to a Yorker from Johnson in the in the first innings. So they they spent half the Test without him, pretty much. So, well, yeah, well, limping around on the sidelines. Yeah. But I'm surprised he didn't get a nomination somehow or other uh, from that. To be honest, yeah, uh, that, that's how rich a Test four. this was. Yes. So it yes. was a particularly fine Test match. I don't know if that's something to do with it being the moment uh, a, a terrible ashes uh, comes to it. 
not a conclusion, I suppose, but a, a verdict. What do you call it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, uh, yeah, an, an, an exchange, I guess. An exchange. <laughs> it reached its exchange. Yes. Anyway, the uh, the regular ashes might be might be done, but the the ridiculous ashes are still alive. As Australia will need to bounce back at the MCG on Boxing Day um, if they, if they want to keep them alive any longer. Uh, so we'll have to. You'll have to tune in next week to to find out if Australia can somehow manage to to rebound from this uh, this devastating defeat. But uh, thank you, thank you for listening. You can uh, check out Alex's website. That's kingcricket.co.uk. Uh, you can check out mine. That's liebcricket.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Ridiculous Ashes, at The King's Tweets, and at Lieb Cricket. And we'll be back, as I mentioned, in a week with our coverage of the fourth test of the 2013-14 Ridiculous Ashes. Podcast Network.